John Gordon A.G. Crawford. That's the full name. <laughs> Hallelujah. We should pray. I must like God thank you for today and for this um, evening, for this time to share with your servants. And I pray that you use me as an instrument to bless your, your children tonight. Help us receive all that you ordained for all of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with much thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. It's always a privilege to be with us here. Um, I've known Reverend Dennis and Reverend Asanso for a very long time, so I see myself as also part of um, this church. Amen. Hallelujah. Is uh, I want to quickly introduce two people that I came with. Um, Olivia and Pastor Anthony, please stand up. <clears throat> yeah, Pastor Anthony is um, the pastor in charge of our branch in South Sudan. He's a South Sudanese, but currently, because of the war, they've moved the church to northern Uganda. So they are in a certain camp called Rhino Camp. And from the camp, Rhino Camp, they are also reaching out to other uh, um, towns like Arua and Koboko. They are planting churches there. And he's also, even this evening, he told me that they were having um, church meetings in Juba. 25 youth have gathered from a church there. So as soon as he goes back on Friday, he's going to organize some programs for them uh, over there. And um, that's Olivia Champon. Uh, She is a teacher at Wesley Girls High School. And also a missionary. So uh, earlier this year, we went to um, Uganda together for missions, you know, and that's where we met Pastor Anthony. And I'm saying this to also encourage those of us um, who get the opportunity to support God's work. Sometimes when students come to us requesting for money to do God's work, we, we don't give them the, what they need. And it's so sad when that happens. After they came from Uganda... Uh, she was supposed to go to Mauritania with another team of missionaries. They didn't get the money, so they couldn't go. And for me, I think that um, it's a stab in the back of the Lord. The money is there. How much did you need? 7,000 cities. They couldn't get the 7,000 cities, so they couldn't go. You know, and, uh, but the money is in this country. I believe that all the money that we need for God's work is here. We don't need to take any money from abroad. Amen. So, when, you know, if you are there and somebody comes and says, I need this help, it means God has directed that person to you. If you don't have the resources, you can also help to raise. Amen. Yes, so, um, when, when we are, some are going and we can support them to go, I think it helps to make the work easier. Okay, so uh, hopefully... Uh, another time, they may have to raise the money and go. You know, so they decided to come with me tonight. Can I give them a hand, please? Yes, please. Thank you very much. <clears throat> um, tonight, we are looking at the topic, Restoration of the Wounded and Lost in the Kingdom of God. Restoration of the Wounded and Lost in the Kingdom of God. When we said what the theme for the year was, I quickly wrote it down. It is the Father's pleasure to give us the kingdom. It is really true that God wants, us, God wants to give us the kingdom. 
But you must also understand that um, the kingdom life and kingdom business is not for small children. It's for the mature. And so what we are going to do is to help us to move from wherever we are into a certain kind of maturity that will help us to uh, do the work of God well. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm, I have a lot of a number of topics here, or subtopics that I wanted us, I want us to treat. We'll begin with um, who are the wounded, who the wounded is, who are the wounded. Then number two, what causes wounds? Number one, who are the wounded? Number two, what causes wounds? Number three, how do wounds look like? And number four, why do we get wounded at all? Number five, where can we find the wounded? Number six, when do we need to heal wounds? And then, how to heal the wounded? In the process, we also treat the loss as well. Who, is, who are the wounded? What causes wounds? How do wounds look like? Why do we get wounded? Where can we find the wounded? When do we need to heal wounds? And then how to heal the wounded? So the first thing we want to look at is who the wounded are. But before then, I want to um, ask to appreciate one thing. That Jesus announced his mission statement for the very first time in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And in that passage, he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has not, he has not okay, it's there. Shall we together go? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Let's go back to the beginning. This passage talks about six areas that Jesus Christ ministered. And he has given the church, the body of Christ, the same six ministries. The first one is the, the, the message of salvation. He says, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. That's salvation. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That is what you are looking at tonight. That is restoration. So, broken-hearted, the, the broken-hearted are those who have been wounded in all kinds of ways. So, God expects that every Christian must be able to bring salvation to people and also heal the broken-hearted. It's an art we can learn because we are broken and we need to be healed. So, that, that statement, to heal the broken-hearted, we can summarize it and say restoration. God is restoring us to where which we were before we were broken, and where we should be. Okay. Then he says, the third thing is, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The captives here refer to those who have become captive in the mind, to all kinds of worldviews. All kinds of worldviews. You know, we, we know that the majority of humanity are, are under captivity, and it's their minds that have been taken captive. Muslims have been taken captive. They think that when they kill Christians, they'll go to heaven. It's not true. It's just that their minds have been taken captive. 
You see, atheists have been taken captive. They believe there is no God. But there is God. No, LGBTQ, they've been taken captive. Because they think that their lifestyle is correct. It's not. You see, so all religions and all kinds of worldviews, humanists and secularists, those who are materialistic, those who are into relativism, all kinds of worldviews, they have, all of them, their minds have been taken captive to obey the devil. You see, that's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says that don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you can know what God's will is. His good, perfect, and acceptable will. So, the third Jesus Christ has given us to do, apart from salvation and restoration, is renewal. You know, as, as we come to church every day, every Sunday, every week, week, all the weekdays, our minds are being renewed so that we can be able to walk in conformity to the purposes of Christ and His will. Okay. So we are to save people, we are to, to, we are to provide salvation for people, restoration, renewal. The fourth one is healing. You know, when he says to open the eyes of the blind, or recovery of sight to the blind, it refers to healing. And God expects that Christians must lay their hands on the sick and be healed. In, in Mark chapter 16, 15 to 18, Jesus Christ said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up serpents. And when they drink anything deadly, to not hurt them. They, lay, they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So all of us can lay our hands on the sick, and they will recover. Even if they don't receive instant healing, they can still recover. These are signs that accompany all of us. So we are expected to, to bring salvation to people, to bring restoration, to bring renewal, to bring healing as well. And then the, the fifth thing is deliverance. You know, when he says um, to set... Please, let's go back to Luke. Luke, right? Uh-huh. So, and recover yourself the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That is deliverance. So Christians must also be able to do deliverance. In fact, uh, some of the people that we are talking to tonight and tomorrow who are wounded may have to go through deliverance before those wounds can be healed. Every one of us can cast out demons. If you don't know how to cast out demons, you can learn. It's not difficult. Because the demons know that we have authority over them. They only bluff us when, when they know that we don't know that we have authority over them. But every Christian can cast out a demon. So we are supposed to bring salvation, restoration, renewal, healing, deliverance to people. And the last one is God's providence. Providence. To, act, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The statement, the accept, acceptable year of the Lord, you know, it does not appear in the Bible again. But the nearest to it is what happened in the Old Testament, which is called the year of Jubilee in Israel. You know, the year of Jubilee is the, a year that, when that year is approaching, everybody is happy because of the things that happened in that year. You know, God had established that every six years, um, people should just work and enjoy the land. You can buy slaves and all that. But the seventh year is a Sabbath to the Lord, and all the land is supposed to, to, be, uh, to be at rest. Nobody farms, all slaves must be released, and then deaths are cancelled in the seventh year, the Sabbath. But after seven years, the, second, the, the next Sabbath comes after 14 years. 
then 21 years, 28 years, 35 years, 42 years, then 49 years is the seventh Sabbath. And the year after that, the 50th year, is called the year of Jubilee. That's the time when all these are cancelled. Every house you buy, you, you take it back, you give it back to the owner. All lands are restored back to the owner. All slaves are set free. So everybody is, is looking forward to the year of Jubilee because when that year comes, a lot of blessings come. There's so much joy in the land. And God ensured that happened so that there will be no poor persons in Israel. So even if you sell your land, you will get it back after 50 years. Is that not glorious? Okay. So Jesus Christ has given us this assignment to bring salvation, restoration, renewal, uh, healing, deliverance, and providence to everybody. But tonight, we are focusing on restoration. But as we do it, I'm sure we should also touch on renewal and also deliverance as well. And even healing, because healing is not only physical healing. We also talk about emotional healing and then uh, spiritual healing through deliverance. Emotional healing through counseling and praying for people. Amen. Okay, so now let's begin by looking at the first subtopic. Who are the wounded? And I've written here, anyone who feels or is affected by any of the following is wounded. And I have just about 12 of them here, but there are more than that. If you feel guilty all the time, you are wounded in a way. And then if you are also bitter, so guilt is a wound. Bitterness is a wound. You are bitter. You are just bitter in your spirit against people. It means wepra. It's a wound. A spiritual wound. Number three, anger. If you are always angry, it's a wound. Men who are angry can beat all kinds of people, beat their wives as well. It's a wound. Number four, unforgiveness. If you find it difficult to forgive people, it's a wound. So if you, have, you are bearing somebody a grudge here right now, it's a wound. There are many young people who are bearing their father's grudges because the greatest problem in this world is fatherlessness. Everything that is happening wrong in the world can be traced to fatherlessness. The fathers were not there to give their children, to give their children moral authority, to teach them the right way to go. They were not there to give them security. You know? So young people have grown up broken. They didn't have security from their fathers. They never had identity. The father didn't let them know who they are, you see, in Christ or who they are as persons. So everybody can go after some, you know, bogus, um, uh, what do you call it, musicians and say they are a king. And then fathers have also failed to give affirmation to their children. You know? So these four areas, moral authority, affirmation, security, and identity. Fathers have failed to give this to their children. And that has caused a lot of children to have wounds. You know? More than 80% or 90% of rapists have, don't have functional fathers. Arm robbers, they don't have functional fathers. Truants from school, they don't have functional fathers. The majority of prisoners don't have fathers. Those who are into freedom fighting, most of them have not been shepherded by fathers. So the fathers who are not there for their children have caused them to have wounds. Unfortunately, if you are here as a young man, a young woman, and because of the wounds your father created in you, you, are, you, are, you haven't forgiven them. 
and you have left the house. You are a man. Your father didn't treat you well. You are burying him a grudge. You don't want to see him again. You have promised never to give him any of your money ever. If you get married, your marriage will not work well. Every, every man who doesn't have a good relationship with the father doesn't treat his wife well. It's a spiritual thing. In my counseling, I've realized that it is true. Because I read it from a book by Derek Prince. The book is entitled, Blessings and Curses You Can Choose. And in that book, Derek Prince says, if a man does not have a good relationship with the father, it affects his wife, even if the woman is a very good woman. And I realized that when people come for counseling, and then you find out from them, you know, they are fighting the couple, then you find out from the man, how are, how are things between you and your father? They don't know why I'm asking that. But most of the time, maybe about 90% plus of the cases, they are not fine with their fathers. So, the unforgiveness that we have against our fathers is a wound. We must make sure that it is healed. If you're a lady, you're running away from home to go and get married, and you haven't sorted things out with your stepmother and with your uh, father and others, and you just want to run away and be free, you are also in trouble. That wound must be healed. Amen. Then rejection is also a wound. And rejection can even start as early as when you are in the womb. If you are in your parent, your mother's womb, and the first few weeks after she realized she was pregnant, she felt that if she got a chance, she would abort the baby. That baby will have rejection. Even if she's not aborted. And that rejection shows itself in many ways. It, does, it doesn't make you accept people's love. In children, they are the ones who are very, very boisterous in school, very disobedient, very rebellious, very stubborn, beating other children, bullying everybody. You know, even if you attempt to give a rejected child a hug, she will push you back because of the spirit. You know, and we can grow up with it. Some of us don't even know that we have it, but it's there. Okay, so we are going to heal this one as well. Then there is grief. Grief, grieving is good because it helps us to overcome our sense of loss. But sometimes, too, grief can cause wounds. Grief, is a wound. And we have to deal with that as well. Then despondency. Despondency means that you've lost hope, hopelessness. You, you, you've lost hope, you've, you've given up life. You know, things haven't gone well. You thought you're, you're going to have a very good future. You are now 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus. All your visions for life never came to pass. So you've given up hope for living. It's a wound. Number eight, resentment. You, you are resenting people. You, 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 you feel very bad about them. You, you, you just don't want to have anything to do with them. The resentment is what makes people leave church. But you see, anybody who leaves a church... Because they are hurt. Are hurting themselves. More. And by running away from church, you can end up in hell. Because if you don't take care, you can go so far away from God that you can lose your salvation. Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice. John chapter 10, 27-29. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And he says that, I give them eternal life. No one is able to stand them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. And no one is able to stand them out of the Father's hand. The Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to stand them out of the Father's hand. But you know, even though 
Nobody can snatch us out of Jesus' hand. We can decide to go away. You know, there's this concept of once you're forever saved and whether you can lose your salvation or you can lose your salvation. One part of us Christians think that once you're forever saved. Others think that you can lose your salvation. Both are true. Both are true. They are, they are both different sides of the same coin. Once you are saved, you are forever saved. It is true. But you can also commit apostasy and lose your salvation. That one too is true. That's why you're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So if people hurt you in church and you run away to go and hide in the house that you won't come to church again, you are not working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. I will later on talk about the reasons why um, people think that they are justified to be wounded. Then, depression. Depression can also be a wound. When you are depressed, and sometimes you even have suicidal thoughts, it's a wound. Number ten, disappointments. When you are disappointed in life, it can create a wound. Unfortunately, uh, if you go to the mental hospital, you go and meet many women there, and I hear that 70 to 80% of the women there were disappointed in relationships. That's why they ended there. The wounds were so much that they got mad. Number 11, betrayal. When people betray us, it can also be a wound. When men cheat on their wives, or men cheat on their husbands, or people cheat on their boyfriends and girlfriends, betrayal is a wound. Then loneliness can also be a wound. When you feel lonely all the time, it can be a wound. There is a difference between loneliness and solitude. When you are lonely, it means you don't have people around you and you, you long for a relationship. Solitude means you deliberately leave everybody and go and hide somewhere so you can make time for God. Or make time to plan your life, set your goals, write them down, you know, and plan for the future. You know, so in solitude, you are not feeling lonely, but you just want to be away from people for a while. Okay. But loneliness creates a wound. Okay, so these are just 12 of the wounds that we can have. Now, let me go to the cause of wounds. What causes wounds? Number one, personal sins and mistakes. The sins we commit personally and the mistakes we make can create wounds. Bonia yankasa yekudino You know, and personal sins can be anything. It can be fornication. Those of you who are not married who are here, I'm telling you that if you are not married, you have no business having sex. Not even using a condom. Because using a condom doesn't change anything. You know, the defilement that comes, condom doesn't stop it. You know, when you go and have sex with somebody that you you are not married with, you defile yourself in many ways. You see? And one of the defilements that comes, which is also a wound, is that once you go and have sex with somebody that you have not gotten married to, eventually there will be, there will be a lot of mistrust in the relationship. Okay, lack of trust in the relationship, lack of respect. Then you can even argue against each other, try to disrespect each other, fight against each other. The man can even be the woman, you know. And a lot of things go wrong. So, if you are here and you are not married and you are already sexually active, you are wounded and, and you have to do something about it. What I mean is repent. Amen. Amen. No, the issue is not, I can't stop you. If you don't stop it, it will destroy you. 
Some people are going to die prematurely because they are living in sin. A lot of men who go down with stroke later in life, even as young men, is because they were too much sexually active. One girl says, my, I'm 18 years old. My mother thinks I'm a virgin, but I've had sex more than 300 times. That's a wounded person. So our personal sins and mistakes, number one. Number two, other people's sins and mistakes. The sins and mistakes of other people can also cause us to be wounded. You know, and I've talked about the fact that fathers have caused so much wounds in their children's lives. So the wounds we are going through may be because of what somebody else did to us. Number three. And of course, so father's wounds are here, mother's wounds are also here, broken sexual relationships here, sexual abuse. There are some children who were abused when they were, they were young by uncles and aunties and other stuff. One, one a young lady said when she gave her life to Christ and she was baptized, she was so happy. And so the church took them for baptism. And so they got baptized. There was a baptist in the church, not in Ghana here abroad. They got baptized. She was so happy that she had been baptized. And then they, they, really, they asked some older women to help them to clean up and dress up. And just after baptism, while they were in the, um, the local room cleaning up, the woman fingered her. The woman, the woman who was supposed to help her pushed his hand, her hand into her, her, her into, down, you know, fingered her. And so this guy said, on the day I was baptized, I was fingered. She felt so dirty. She felt the baptism had even been, you know, um, negated. In the church. So other people can also cause wounds in our lives. Number three, demonic influences. Demons can also create wounds in us because if demons attack us and influence us, they can cause us to have wounds. For example, one lady came to my office the other time and she was crying. A beautiful girl. And she said, what I've done, I can't even tell you. I'm feeling so ashamed. I can't tell you. Well, if you can guess, that's fine. But I mean, I can't tell you. And I said, is it masturbation? She said, yes. It's demonic. If you watch pornography, you may end up masturbating. And it's a demonic thing. Number four, wrong perception of God's dealings in our lives. When you, you fail to understand how God is dealing in your life, it can create wounds which shouldn't be there. Wrong perception of God's dealings in our lives. And for information, every difficulty and struggle and every adversity we experience in our life and all the problems we create are God's way of making us become like Jesus Christ. They are in His will. Whatever you are going through is in God's will. Someone has said, and I believe, God is not interested in making you healthy or wealthy or happy. He wants you to become holy. So if you put four things there, wealth, happiness, holiness, um, and then, uh, what's the last one? Health, happiness, wealth, and then holiness. And you ask God to choose one for you. God will will definitely choose holiness. If you become holy and you don't become wealthy, you go to heaven. If you become holy and you don't even become healthy, you go to heaven. If you become holy and you are not happy, you still go to heaven. 
But if you have all these three and you are not holy, you go to hell. So, if you don't understand the fact that whatever you are going through, God has a lot of purpose, you can, you, can, you can create a wound that will make you even feel angry with God. I'm fighting with God. I won't save God again. Because he has made my daughter die, my son die, my wife dies. This has happened to me. I've lost my job. I won't serve God again. But God allowed those things for a purpose. <clears throat> if anybody had a right to be wounded, it should be Jacob. Because when Jacob lost Joseph, it was a painful thing. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold. He went to Pharaoh's uh, presence at age 30. That is 13 years. Then, he was able to lead Egypt through seven years of bumper harvest. That is 20 years away from the father. It was two years into the famine that the brothers went to Egypt. So the brothers sold Joseph after 22 years. The father also sold Joseph after 22 years. Now the question is, the 22 years that Jacob was grieving, why didn't God tell him that, don't grieve, your, your son is alive? It was not his happiness that God wanted. God wanted Jacob to draw close to him. And by the time Jacob saw Joseph, he had been seasoned. He had gone through the mill. God didn't apologize to him for keeping the son away from him for 22 years. We are not better than Jacob. David had to struggle in the wilderness for about 13 years, running away from Saul all the time. And that is the time when he wrote most of his very, very anguished psalms. But God didn't didn't take him out of the trouble because David had to be made of gold so that he could be a good king. So the troubles that we are going through, God has seen it too. He has seen our cries. But he says, if you don't go through it, you cannot become like my son Jesus Christ. The character that God wants us to form we have to go through trials before they can be formed. God doesn't want chocolate Christians. Chocolate Christians, as soon as you squeeze them, they will just melt. He wants tough people who can become soldiers for him. Amen. So, we must develop the right perception of God's dealings with us. Do you know that two major ways God deals with us? Number one, when we, we, we go into sin, God disciplines us. So we can repent. But sometimes we are not living in sin and yet we go through challenges in life. That is God's pruning process in our lives. To prune a plant means to cut off the branches of the plant that is not making the plant bear fruit. So you can see a plant with plenty of leaves and branches. You cut off all the branches and then the leaves that are, you know, are not bearing fruit and that plant will start bearing good fruit. So sometimes God cuts off certain things from our lives for us to be able to bear fruit. No, those of you who are newly married, when you get newly married, eh, you realize that the first three years, after the first year, you start going through some serious challenges. You know, you become discouraged, you become despondent, you become disillusioned, you become disappointed with many things in your spouse. But that, that time that comes soon after the honeymoon is the period known as the winter period of marriage. In, in, in marriage, there are four seasons. 
spring, summer, autumn, and winter. But God allows the winter season to come first. So that when you go through it well, it can create a lot of good things in you. Yieldedness to the Holy Spirit and to each other. You know, and you need to be yielded. You need to be uh, properly formed so that when the years of fruitfulness come, you can bear good fruits. But if you are a pampered, spoiled bride or husband, and you have not been tried, and then God now brings other people to, for you to mentor, you can't mentor them well, because you have not gone through the mill. You see? So many people who divorce in the first few years of marriage, it's a big mistake. God was only grooming them to become better, and they divorce. Later on, 20 years later, they will see their spouse married to somebody else, and the person has become so mature. And they say, why didn't anyone tell me to wait? When God was grooming them, they ran away. So, that's number four. Number five, the natural cause of things. The natural cause of things. Just because we are a fallen race, we can, things can go wrong in our lives. That, are, that can cause wounds. For no, for no, for no um, fault of yours, you can be in a vehicle. And then the tire will burst and you have an accident. They amputate your right hand or your leg. And you are wounded emotionally and psychologically. But it was not anybody's fault. Just because we are, in a, we are a fallen race, many things can go wrong. People are asking, why, if God loves us, why is it that good people are suffering? Why do children suffer and die of hunger? Why, 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 why are there so many uh, problems in this world? You know, and some people say, well, it's difficult to find an answer to this problem. But the truth is that the answer is very easy. The fall. Because of the fall, everything can happen. And all that is happening is because of the fall. So, Christ came to redeem us so that we can become restored to where God wants us to be. So, because of the natural cause of things, you are a beautiful lady. You haven't done anything. You are even a virgin. You are 40 years old. You don't have anyone proposing marriage to you. And you are, you are, the years are going and nobody is coming forward. It's just because of the fall. You may feel very, very hurt that God has appointed you. But in that state, God can also transform your life if you respond to Him appropriately. So these are five ways, five causes of wounds. Personal, one, personal sins. Two, other people's sins and mistakes. Three, demonic influences. Four, wrong perception of God's dealings with us. And then five, the natural cause of things. Okay. Now, how do wounds look like? <clears throat> Number one, wounds. How do they look like? How do you know that you are wounded? The first one I I looked at was um, who who wounded people are. It's almost similar to this one, but you can still see some differences. So, uh, how do wounds look like? When you have personal hurt, eh, you are hurt. When you are hurt, it means you are wounded. Pride is also a form. Pride shows that you are wounded. Pride. Because when you are proud, you are covering many things. And pride is not something to be nurtured anyway. God hates it. So we must pray that God takes away any deadly respectability that we have. You know? So pride is 
is a sign that you are wounded. Number three, criticizing others. When you criticize others and you condemn and judge others, it shows that you are wounded. Always criticizing others. Number four, avoiding people. Just avoiding people shows that you are wounded in some way. That's why you are avoiding people. Number five, using insulting or abusive language. When you like insulting people or abusing people, you have got some wounds that have not been dealt with. <clears throat> Number six, looking down on others. When you look down on others, it also shows that you have got certain wounds that have not been dealt with. Once those wounds are dealt with, you respect people. Number seven, being irritable at the least provocation. So, if being irritable at the least provocation, the least thing you, you are bored, I'm always bored with people. You know, the younger ones, when you say I'm bored, it means you are wounded. You shouldn't be bored with things. <laughs> Amen. Number eight, wallowing in self pity. Every time you are asked for me, I am this, eh, and nothing works for me. Me, I come from a poor home. I come from this background. I'm not married. My boyfriend has left me. I'm divorced. Just, just wallowing in self-pity is a sign of, of a wound. Number nine, having suicidal tendencies. If you sit down and you say, I wish I can kill myself, it means you are wounded. But that one is a very dangerous uh, weakness. Because once you start having suicidal thoughts, and you even use your lips to say that, I wish I can kill myself. You can die. Because as soon as you say that, you, you give room for the demons to start operating. And you can actually kill yourself. So in counseling, we are told that as soon as somebody threatens suicide, please don't need the person. Just make sure that the person gets professional help immediately. Because they can kill themselves. Number 10. Being physically abusive. Husbands who beat their wives, you are wounded. Or who beat their children, baza, 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 you are wounded. Or people who like fighting, a sign of a wound. Number 11, always seeking to blame others. Never your fault. Every time you are blaming others, it's a sign of a wound. Number, number 12, failing to forgive yourself or accepting God's forgiveness. You, you have committed abortion before. You will never forgive yourself and you won't accept God's forgiveness. And if you're condemning yourself for the past five years, it means you're wounded. Jealousy. When you feel jealous of other people, it's just a sign of a wound. Quarrelsomeness. Show that you're also wounded. And then hatred. If you hate people, you know, you You know, it also shows that you are wounded. Now, I want to give us four reasons why we get wounded. Why do we get wounded? Number one. Number one. When we allow open doors in our lives through careless living. When we allow open doors in our lives through careless living. Oh, Bob, bra, basa, basa, basa. Ah, It can let you receive wounds. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8 says, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and the one who breaks through a wall, a serpent will bite him. God has given us righteousness 
to become a wall around us. If you break through it, a serpent will bite you. And that is a demon will come into your life and cause trouble. You know? So when you are a young person and then you start having sexual relationship with your uh, when you are you are dating, you know, now dating people start dating from GHS and they even have sex in pools. You can see GHS students jumping in pools having sex. It's careless living. Careless living. Students are at the university. Other students are in their rooms and they are having sex there. It's also careless living. So when you, you live carelessly, you open doors to be attacked. Proverbs 26 verse 2. It says, like a flattering, a flattering sparrow or a darting swallow, so a curse which has no cause will not stand. But it means that if the, the curse has a cause, it will settle on you. If the curse has a cause, it will settle. A sparrow is a, a bird that flies this way. And when it's fluttering, it means that it's just fluttering the wings. It's not moving. A swallow is a, a, a blue and white bird that has got very, very nice streamlined shape. And it does round, going very fast. You never see it land. You know? And so if the curse has no cause, it will land. But if the curse has a cause, it will land. You know, and many of us, <clears throat> we, we have wounds that come into our lives and even go down into our, our, um, our children's and grandchildren's lives because we're careless. You know, I know a man who was married but slept with a maid. So the maid gave birth before his own wife gave birth. And then of his four sons, Three of them give birth out of wedlock. One of the daughters gave birth and she wasn't married. The last daughter also had an abortion before getting married. You know? So everyone, apart from one of them, every one of these children went through what the father did. Somebody had, you know, the, the father had a child before, I mean, his real firstborn came. And all the five children also had something. Maybe one of them aborted their own, but still, it happened. You see, so when we are careless in our living, it affects us and our children as well. Number two. <clears throat> Why do we get wounded? The second reason is we get wounded because of immaturity. Because of spiritual immaturity. That's one of the biggest problems we are having. In most churches. The reason why is because if you grow in the Lord, you will let many things go. Many things. Somebody insults you, you don't care. Somebody offends you, you don't care. It's because of immaturity that things happen the way they do. First um, Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. Let's read it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 4. Okay, this Paul was uh, rebuking the church in Ephesus, sorry, the church in Corinth for their immaturity. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Carnal means that they are of the flesh. Okay. As to babes in Christ, verse 2. I fed you with milk and not solid food. 
For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. Number three. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? So when you are mature, you don't do these things. My wife and I, when we were younger Christians, early in our marriages, we had several disagreements and sometimes quarrels and all that. But now it's not there. You see, I don't get offended by my wife easily. If maybe hardly at all. And she also doesn't get offended with me. Even though in the past we get angry with each other. But now it's not there. Because you're maturing. If a church is matured, if the members of the church have matured, these wounds will be reduced. So if you are a wounded person, uh, pray that God will help you to grow into maturity. When you grow into maturity, you leave many things and um, become more Christ-like. Number three. Why do we get wounded? Number three. When we accidentally expose ourselves to wrong influences. When we accidentally expose ourselves to wrong influences. Or to the enemy. You know, you are a fine Christian. You don't want to do anything bad. But somehow, you, you happen to get into friendship with somebody who didn't have a good spirit. And that person can influence you badly. It can even be a family member. Or can be a church member. It can be somebody at work. Sometimes you go to a new place. One of the first persons who can come to you, sometimes, may be a bad person. They try to poison your mind against the people that you came and met. And before you are aware, you've been wounded. Number three. Number four. Yielding to controlling spirits. Yielding to controlling spirits. Uh, Controlling spirits are certain kinds of influences that people have over us. There are three types of controlling spirits. The first one is called the spirit of domination. Domination. And when people dominate you, it always results in frustration. You see, this person, it can, it can happen in the house. Controlling spirits can be used by our parents. It can be used by our work colleagues, by our bosses, by husband or wife, even by pastors sometimes. Where we dominate people and we create wounds in them because they feel hurt. Number two, intimidation. It's another controlling spirit. Intimidation always causes fear. You know, that's what Saul was using against the Israelites. Eh, you people, he wanted to kill David and was trying to chase David everywhere, but Jonathan was able to stand up before his father. He was not afraid of the father. You know, in the New Testament, the Sanhedrin were intimidating the apostles that if you, we command you, don't speak in the name of Jesus Christ again. And they even came them, lashed them. But the apostles were not afraid. Intimidation causes fear. Domination causes frustration. And then the last one is manipulation. Manipulation causes false guilt. So, when the person comes to you and is manipulating you, they make you feel guilty when you shouldn't feel guilty. Maybe a young person says, um, because I'm a missionary, let me use missions. Oh, mommy and daddy, I want to go to the north 
for national service. Hey, who jam you have for north? You who? By the time you come, I'm dead. That's manipulation. And that statement can stop this person from going to the north. Mothers normally use manipulation. Fathers use intimidation. <laughs> but these are the things that can cause um, people why we get wounded. Okay. Now let me uh, share um, four points on where we find the wounded. One, at home. In everyone's house, there are wounded people. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to be a good father, and then uh, my, one of my girls goes to Sunday school, and then they are asking them to share some of the things that make them hurt. And he says, uh, my daddy, he's a counselor. Every time he's counseling people, he's going everywhere, preaching, traveling everywhere, and he doesn't have time for us. That's my own children. So the, wounded, the woundedness is from my house too. You know? And it is sometimes when people come to the house and they are taking all the time from my father, I feel jealous. So, when I, when I hear this, whenever I come home and she wants to give me a hug, I'll just allow her to hug me. The mommy said, mommy, for you, yeah. I said, you, you leave her. Uh, let her have a bit of me. <laughs> because you feel others are taking all the time from me. So, in our own homes, the wounded people are there. Our wives, our husbands, our children, the maid servants that we are looking after, I mean, who are helping our children. That's that we wound them. You know, even small children. You know, you're, you want to go out. The small child, maybe a three years old, two years old. I want to go with you. Oh, um, okay, you, okay, you go and have your bath and then let's go. As soon as they go to the bathroom, you are gone. They come out, they are crying. You wounded them. You wounded them. You think they are small, but they have been wounded. Today I had a conference to attend, and I had to um, go and do something and come. But this small boy, my grandson, three years old, yesterday he wanted me to take him to school. I couldn't. So I said to I'll take you to school. So even though I was going to be late for the conference, I had to take him to school so that he knows that daddy doesn't, grandpa doesn't lie to him. And I got the conference late. But it's just so that I will not create wounds of mistrust in him. So at home, the, 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 the wounds are there. In church, there are many people in church who are wounded. Not only here, every church. We have wounds because we are not perfect yet. We have the wounds. At the workplace, we have wounded people there. At school, we have wounded people there. In fact, everywhere there are wounds. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So, um, I'm going to share. In the next 10 minutes, uh, because we are going to look at um, characteristics of the restorer, the one who restores those who are wounded. Then tomorrow, we shall look at when do we need uh, to heal wounds, how to help heal the wounded. 
and then steps in restoration tomorrow. Okay. So today, let's pray. Let's say that um, you, you, you are not wounded, or even you are wounded, but you want to help to restore people who are wounded. Even if you are wounded, you can also help to restore people who are wounded. Because your wound may not be in the area where you are restoring. Amen? Uh-huh. Maybe your wound was created by your father, but you are restoring somebody who has been beaten by a friend. Okay, so it may not be the same thing. Okay, so there are seven <clears throat> traits or seven characteristics of the restorer. If you are supposed to restore people, there are seven things you must have. Number one, brokenness. You must be broken yourself. Brokenness. You don't hear people talking about brokenness nowadays, but we need brokenness. A broken person is somebody who has come to the point where they have humbled themselves before God, accepted their faults, and asked God to take over their whole lives. You know, so brokenness and yieldedness go together. You are yielded. So brokenness, stroke, yieldedness. You are fully, fully yielded to God. Okay, and in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2b, the Bible says, this is the one I will look to. The one who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. So God wants us to be humble. He wants us to be contrite. A contrite person is somebody who admits his faults. And who trembles at God's word. Who respects God's word. Before you can become a restorer, you must be broken. You cannot be a proud person and restore. It doesn't work. Because the one you are restoring can easily see through your hypocrisy. So the first step is brokenness. Number two. Yieldedness. So brokenness, sorry, brokenness and humility goes hand in hand. Brokenness and humility is the first point. You must be broken and humble. Number two, you must be yielded and obedient to God. So brokenness and humility go hand in hand. And then number two, yieldedness and obedience to God. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. Isaiah 1, 18 to 20. The Bible says, Come now, let's reason, reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they, they be red like crimson, they shall become as wool. And verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, there is a difference between obedience and yieldedness. When You are obedient. It can be seen. If I say, oh, go and buy me something from here. And you don't want to go. You can still take the money. And go. In your heart, you don't want to go. You are not, you are not willing. But you will still go and come. But if you are willing. That one, nobody may see it. But God sees it. So God, the Bible says that we must be willing and obedient. When you are willing, you are yielded. If you are willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. God wants us to be willing. To be willing to do His work. Willing to serve others. Willing to do what will make others progress in life. There are some of us, people come to us with their requests. We just turn them off. But even if you can't help the person, it's possible to let the person hang on and look for help. From elsewhere for the person. That is how we, we live with people. 
So if they are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So God wants us to be willing to help others, and that shows that we are yielded to His purposes and obedient to Him. So if you are someone who is broken and humble, and then yielded and obedient and willing, you qualify to be a restorer. Number three, you must be scripturally sound. The restorer must know what God's word says about certain things. If somebody is unwilling to forgive their father or mother or the boy who was had an abortion with him, with her, refused to marry her, you must know the scriptures to use on forgiveness and the fact that if they don't forgive, God also not forgive them. Mark 11, 25, 26. So that they realize that, hey, if I don't do this thing, I can go to hell. You see, you must know the scriptures, which means that we must all make, make time to study the scriptures. Today, somebody was saying that, I, I don't understand why in Ghana, <clears throat> everybody reads the Bible, and yet the same people go to the prophets who deceive them. I don't understand. And I said, it's not true that everybody reads the Bible. Most of those who are deceived don't read the Bible at all. They hold the Bible to church. They don't read it. I hope they don't read it. Many Christians don't read the Bible. It's true. When was the last time you read four chapters a day for, the, for one week? Maybe you haven't. But if you don't read the Bible, you'll never be a strong Christian. Times are coming where we need to stand for what we believe. It's very, very soon. It's coming. And if we don't, if we don't I mean, feed on God's word, a time is going to come when we shall all be swept away when the term was come. So it's time for us to go into God's word and be grounded in it. Amen. Number four. A life of integrity. A life above reproach. To be a restorer, your life must be above reproach. Because you, you are restoring somebody. And the person is saying, ah, but you, you do this and you come to restore me. It doesn't work. Even if your life has not been a life of integrity in the past, it can be from now on. Someone has said, the best way to overcome a bad reputation is to, from now on, consistently do the right thing. How do you overcome a bad reputation? From now on, consistently do the right thing. If you consistently do the right thing from now on, with time, your reputation will be built up again. So if you, have, you don't have integrity now, you can start building it, building one. If you, if you like telling lies, it doesn't show integrity. If you cheat people, it doesn't show integrity. If you are courting, you are not married, and you are sleeping around, you cannot have the moral courage to tell the young ones not to do it. I'm not saying we can't, make, we can't make mistakes. We should make mistakes. But there are some things we should, we, should, we should avoid so that our lives can be a challenge to others. Number five, a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion. Without compassion, we can't restore others. So you can pray and ask God to give you compassion for people. Empathy. To be empathetic. Feel for the person. <clears throat> One girl said, I never had patience for girls who get pregnant out of wedlock until it happened to me. 
And when I see girls who are pregnant out of wedlock or who have babies out of wedlock, I just grab them and I let them cry in my chest because it happened to her. She now has compassion. When you have compassion, you can reach out to people. Number six. A genuine desire to help the wounded. You must have a genuine desire to help the wounded. If you don't, if you don't have a desire to help the wounded, then you can't help them much. But if there is a genuine desire to help them, then you can be of help to them. And number seven. A person who wants to be a restorer. The seventh point, which should actually have been the first, is that we must be completely repented of every known sin. So sins in our lives, we must repent of them. Let's search through our lives and repent, deep repentance, repent of sins that we know in our lives. Secret sins, watching pornography, no, even though nobody sees, the demons see and they can attack us because of that. Okay? Other things we are doing that nobody knows. Let's come before God and ask God to help us to, for, to, to, to be for, I mean, help us to repent of all these things and then receive God's forgiveness. Amen. Okay. So, we will end here for today. Tomorrow, by God's grace, we'll look at when do we need to heal wounds and then how to help heal the wounded and then steps in restoration. And I pray that by God's grace we'll be able to um, finish well tomorrow. Tomorrow there's a lot of scripture to read. Today is just an introduction. So tomorrow uh, when we come, let's be ready to receive um, what God's word says on every point you're going to discuss in Jesus' name. And then, lastly, we shall look at benefits of being wounded. Being wounded is not bad in itself. It's not bad altogether. And at least, I have at least 12 benefits of being wounded here. So if you are wounded, there is still some good that can come out of it. And by God's grace, we shall look at that as well tomorrow. Amen. Shall we pray? Most High God, we want to give you thanks and praise for what you have learned today about being the wounded. Thank you for all the things that you've taught us. We pray that even as we come tomorrow to finish off with this lesson, you help us to appreciate our role in having our own wounds healed and also helping to heal others in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you glory and praise for how you brought us in Jesus' name. Amen.